Hello and welcome to another episode of Anything Goes Hokkaido video and audio podcast. We are so excited to be here today. I am Delena and my co-host. Yes, it's Shinya. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back with we, Delena, yes. Yeah, we, we, we should have these intros down by now, but <laughs> they're still a little tricky sometimes. Anything goes, um, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And today we have a really special guest, a very prominent feature, I think, in our Hokkaido community. It is the owner of Hokkaido Nature Tours, uh, Ido. I want to say, uh, Gabe. Gabai. Gabai, Gabai, yes. Um, yes. Sorry, I even practiced and I messed it up. Ido Gabai is with us today. Ido, hi. Hello, hello. Don't worry about messing it up. My whole life, people have messed up my name and I'm still here, still smiling. So no worries, no worries. I am in that same boat with you. I can't tell you how many different ways people have pronounced Delena over the years, especially my English teachers would call me Delania for some reason. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel you there. Yeah. So Ido, yeah, um, gosh, how's it going? Well, uh, you know, uh, business-wise, it's not going great. We've all had better days in tourism, but you know, we're happy and healthy and in a way, um, you know, all of this is a way for us to slow down and recharge and kind of tap into what's really important. So that, you know, we can lose sight of all of that pretty quickly, you know, with the busyness of life, especially with the tourism industry. Uh, you know, we've seen such rapid growth that, um, you know, it's, it, it is not the worst thing in the world to slow down and kind of uh, gauge where we're at and how to move forward. Um, so, you know, we uh, don't have too much concern about ourselves. You know, we feel like as a Hakata Nature Tours, we're going to make it through this. And um, the tourism industry here is resilient. You know, Hokkaido is a major tourist destination. Uh, so we're optimistic, even though now is uh, difficult times. Right. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine that the tourist tourism industry has been hit really hard along with uh, music and entertainment <laughs> so yeah um, but you're still there still going strong and uh, sounds like you've got some interesting alternative business ideas that we definitely want to hear about uh, during the interview today but um, why don't we kind of maybe start from the beginning and uh, you can tell us a little bit about yourself I mean uh, your last name, obviously, is a bit unique. I've never heard it before. Uh, where are you from? So I was born in Israel and uh, lived there until I was seven. And without asking me, my parents took us all to America. <laughs> and that's where I grew up. Uh, so I guess traveling was very early in my, in my life experience, you know, having to relocate. Mm -hmm. And as a seven-year-old, it's not too hard. I have uh, two older siblings. It was more difficult for them. Uh, but definitely it's in our bones and, uh, you know, as Jewish people, there was a large migration to Israel, uh, you know, in the last hundred years from Jews all over the world, including my family. Uh, my mother was actually born in the Soviet Union in Lithuania and she moved to Israel when she was 15. And on my father's side of the family from North Africa, they moved to Egypt and then about a hundred years ago finally moved into Israel. So we've always been, uh, you know, a people and a family that's moved around a lot. And still it's like that um, in my family. Uh, so myself personally, yeah, I grew up in America from the age of seven, went to university and uh, had a, a number of interesting experiences there that kind of pushed me out of America. So when I was there, I was studying uh, economics and mathematics. You know, I was going to be on Wall Street, uh, you know, trading stocks and doing finance or whatever it is they do. Uh, but I had an interesting experience when I was in university in that uh, I was able with some, you know, advanced credits from high school. I could take a semester off. And during that semester, when my friends were going to Europe mainly or other parts of the world for study abroad, I was in Boston and I had fallen in love with a girl, you know, young love, and we moved in together. She had her two dogs and I had this kind of, uh, you know, temporary job with a finance company called Fidelity Investments, a very big finance company. 
Mm, sure. So yeah. I, was, I was like 19, 20 years old working in this finance company. And even though my job was basically like data entry like this, but I could see from the inside what that was like and what the kind of lifestyle of a finance world is like. And so very quickly, you know, I found myself in finance with a girlfriend who was a pseudo wife, you know, we were living together, two small dogs that were like pseudo children, you know, and so it became overwhelming and it was like a, a real view into my future. And mm -hmm. that motivated me. Uh, I went back to school, of course, I graduated with my, with my friends and had a great experience in university. But I realized that I, something was lacking, you know, there was something missing and there was no need to rush into a career. You know, I was just 21 years old and it was then that I, uh, I went actually to Israel and I planned to be there for a while just to see what life is like because I'd only been on visits since leaving as a kid. Uh, and, you know, I guess, you know, it was an unfortunate time in Israel, but for myself, it maybe it was quite fortunate because this was during uh, what's called the Second Intifada. It was a period of war in Israel and very difficult times. So after a couple of months, I said, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of money that I have. You know, I'd sold my car in America and I'd take this few thousand dollars and I'm going to go to Europe and backpack. And so I bought the cheapest flight from Israel, which at that time was um, to go to southern Turkey, a place called Antalya. And from there, I started backpacking. And within um, a week, Oh, two weeks at the most, I knew that this is what I wanted to do with the next part of my life, was to backpack and see the world. And so from that moment on, it was really just, well, how do I get this done? You know, how, how do I you know, achieve this dream of, of traveling all over the world and being free in the world? And uh, slowly, slowly, you know, you meet people or the universe sends you certain people. And uh, I ended up after that trip in Europe, uh, moving to South Korea. And that was my first job uh, in Asia, teaching English. And mm. at that time, you know, I was really broke. I'd actually had to borrow money to finish the Europe trip to begin with. So, so I arrived in, in Korea with $50 and wow. $1,000 in debt to my dad just to finish that trip. And another $45,000 in debt to the, you know, uh, student loans from the university. So classic American university experience. And from there, you know, I started working hard. I was working two jobs in Korea just to save up as much money as I could because my heart was still for traveling. And uh, from there, I took about a, a year and a half or 19 month trip across Asia. And I realized my love for travel was uh, overland travel. You know, in the same way, I went from Turkey to, you know, England uh, overland pretty much. And then I went uh, from um, Philippines, I flew to Singapore, I went from Singapore all the way to India, through Southeast Asia and China and Tibet and Nepal and into India all over land. And, and that's really what my passion was. And this overland travel was uh, really life changing for me, you know, and it really allowed me to see, uh, you know, what I want to achieve better in my life other than just, um, you know, what my options were when I was just in America and you know, looking for uh, for whatever the next step was going to be in that scheme. So, you know, I really went out into the world. I was uh, fearless about it. I never saw the world as a dangerous place. And I went out and the world welcomed me and, you know, I met incredible people. I had all kinds of experiences, you know. And uh, so after that trip uh, in, across Asia, Asia, I went to Taiwan and I worked in Taiwan for a year as a teacher again. And I did another trip for a year and finally I came to Japan for the first time in 2007 and at that time you know my first impression I came to Hokkaido um, mm. I should say I was with a jet program you know the, um, yeah. the, the government yeah, yeah. Of course. for English teaching and it's a great program actually I had a lot of great experiences but when I arrived you know my first impression when I landed in uh, Chitose I still remember coming out of the airplane and, you know, in Chitose, sometimes you get out of the airplane and you're connected by a causeway, you know, directly to the terminal. But sometimes you get out of the airplane and you kind of walk out of the plane. And so I remember walking out of the plane on that time and looking up and the sky just looked huge, you know. And right away I had this great feeling uh, that this place is going to be fantastic for me. You know, this beautiful blue, huge sky, uh, which is not, you know, the sky doesn't look the same everywhere. And that started my time in Hokkaido and... I fell in love with it here. I planned to stay two years and I was three years on jet. And then I went again, you know, I got the itchy feet, you know, to go backpacking. 
And again, I went backpacking. And so that next trip was a three year trip, you know, because I'd saved up more money working for three years. So yeah. as my family said, oh, you're going to go waste all your money again, you know, but <laughs> everybody can say what they like. I was very motivated and very driven to see the world and still keep traveling. And on that trip is where I met my wife. Uh, we met in northern India. That's where we met Anastasia. And uh, we actually traveled together for two years. You know, we had, uh, that was the beginning of our relationship. We didn't have any dating period, any courtship, any, you know, come meet <laughs> my parents, you know. We were on the road for two years. And basically, if you can make it through that, you know, with someone, then there's a good chance you can make it. And after that three years of traveling, I uh, really started to feel like we were, you know, kind of at the end of the road. Altogether, that was like six years of backpacking for me. And as amazing as those experiences are, all experiences, you know, start to repeat themselves. And we need new challenges and new experiences. Mm -hmm. And came back to Japan a second time, again on jet. And again, I was very lucky to be uh, assigned to Sapporo. And I was actually living in the same apartment building, you know, just a few doors <laughs> down from my first time on jet, you know. So it was really like, wow, this place is for me. You know, there's something home, home about Hokkaido. And after a few more years in the jet program, then we realized that, okay, we can now maybe settle down here a bit more, be, a, you know, a bit less of uh, vagabonds and start to uh, see what we can create ourselves here. And that's how we started Hokkaido Nature Tours. And the main reason was to find something we love doing, but also to share something that we're passionate about and that we love. And through that love and that, you know, passion for travel, um, you know, we feel like we have been able to not only find the right team around us, but share that with people from all over the world. Fantastic. Amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Actually, um, your wife, Anastasia, is also my yoga instructor. <laughs> so um know her quite well and she started a nice little project called the Sapporo Sapporo Yoga Sisters. Um so if anybody here in Sapporo is watching females, uh, she doesn't have any men in her classes at this point I don't think, but uh definitely when we are allowed to have those kind of classes again. Um she's an amazing teacher. I've been doing yoga for a while with a variety of teachers and she's definitely the best I've had. Wow. So it's really nice to see how amazing you guys are together because you came to the first class and you were like taking pictures and carrying stuff and supporting her so beautifully. So it was really touching. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's really into the uh, female empowerment and for women to come out of all kinds of programming that she's experienced in her life and is coming out of. And it's beautiful to see her sharing that. It's very powerful. Yeah, really is. Really through yoga. As a vehicle, yoga is a vehicle for that. Mm, a very good one, too. And now a quick break for an artist spotlight with Sei Ichiro Ebisuya.
Um, so obviously we all live here in Hokkaido and know that there are very many special things about it. Um, but what makes tourism in Hokkaido particularly special for you? And, you know, I think also we live in a world now where there's a lot of problems with safety. You know, and that, that's for that's for real. You know, like if you go to America, you know, you have to worry about those things. What street are you on? At what time? What part of the city? You know, or in Europe? You know, we we still largely live in a Japan that's uh, you know inured from crime, and and we don't really need to worry about that. And not only living here, it's a huge blessing, but for visitors to come here, visitors can come and really relax. You know, and really let go. Um, just feel safe and, and you know welcomed and appreciated in Japan, and uh, you know we we definitely appreciate that as well as living as foreigners living here. We don't take that for granted. So so many things. <laughs> many, what do you think? What is it for you that make Hokkaido so so special for you? Shinya. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the things that you said, especially. Just living in Sapporo, I like the size of the city, not too big, not、mm. too small.、Um, definitely, the winter can be a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> yes,、yeah, sometimes what is it? Four months, maybe sometimes five months of winter is quite long. So maybe if it was a bit shorter, it'd be a bit better. But definitely, my my mother's from Kitami, so. Um, already knowing a bit of Hokkaido countryside just feels like going back to my how would I say first home, second home. So yeah, really, really enjoy it because it's part of my family as well. So that's why I like Hokkaido. Yeah, for me,、um, Sapporo is the perfect city because it is like a metropolis, almost two million population. But it feels like a like, kind of hometown place, and even from the beginning, I would always run into people in unexpected places and just be like, "Oh, hey," you know, just like in a small town,、uh, despite the size of the city. And it's not like Tokyo where you can find anything you want, but almost, you know, there's really nothing I feel that's lacking here, especially since we got Costco. <laughs> like, <laughs> that that makes a big difference.、Um, And it, there's nature everywhere. Beautiful, gorgeous parks that are run by government or other places, and、um, you know you don't have to walk very far to find a nice green space.、Um, and the mountains, the, the city surrounded. I mean, on a clear day, I'm sure you know if you're up high, you can see 360 degrees. There's mountains everywhere, and the oceans nearby. Um, I wish I skied or snowboarded or did stuff like that. It would probably make winter go by so much quicker. <laughs> and then、uh, when you get out of the city, it reminds me of where I was born in Indiana, with just like the rolling hills and the lush greenery and the different seasons. So yeah, I mean Hokkaido, and of course it has the best food in, in the country. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Especially. I know other people disagree with that, and the flavors How? of Kyoto. How? How can you disagree with that? I've, I've, I've had arguments about this in the past. Really? <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to stick to my opinion. It's the best. Japan imports food from Hokkaido, so there you go. You yeah, know, it's very true. Don't you in other parts of Japan? But you know, Hokkaido is famous for the produce, for the dairy, for the quality of meats. I even once read that most Kobe beef actually originates in Hokkaido, and they just <laughs> them to Kobe at the end of their life. I don't know. You know, the different books say different things, but Hokkaido definitely. Uh, the the food center of Japan, the food production. Oh, oh yeah, I think like Tokachi Central Hokkaido provides like two thousand percent of <laughs> the food for Japan, which is a kind of a strange figure to wrap your head around, but true nonetheless.、Uh, you know, so how has tourism changed in the last ten years or so since you've been operating your business? Yeah, we actually haven't been operating that long. We've been、uh, in the business here for about five years. Okay. But、uh, I've been yeah, I've been here th- since 2007, and、um, I'm sure Shinya, you can attest. And Delena, you've been here for a long time as well. Like you know,、yeah. we we see a lot of. You don't have to be in the tourism industry to see the changes that have happened here、uh, because of tourism and mass tourism. You know, and also looking at the numbers. You know, when I came here 2007, 2008. Uh, you know there were under 10 million tourists a year, 
And, you know, that number, uh, we're talking about foreign tourists, not domestic, mm -hmm. international tourists. And that number just climbed and climbed and climbed. And, you know, even the government did not anticipate the kind of boom that we had in Hokkaido in the last 10 years. So they were uh, hoping for 20 million tourists by the 2020 Olympics, which were supposed to be happening very shortly. Uh, <laughs> supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, we reached that in Japan in 2016. Like they made those estimates before, before, like uh, maybe I don't know, 2012, 2013, and they were, you know, we reached 20 million international tourists in 2016, four years ahead of time. So then they were like, well, you know, of course we have to set new goals. Okay, let's set a goal for 40 million, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when you think that we, we very well could have had 40 million tourists in Japan this year. Last year we had 30 million international tourists. So, uh, you know, we're talking about a fourfold or more increase in 10 years. Uh, and that's, you know, that's remarkable for any market. Um, and Hokkaido as well has seen a large chunk of that. Of course, the majority of tourists do go to Honshu, but uh, a lot of returning visitors come to Hokkaido on their second mm -hmm. time to Japan uh, if they miss it on the first time. And the majority of those, actually, if you look at the stats, uh, two-thirds of all foreign uh, visitors to Japan are from China, which is one-third, and then the other third are split between Taiwan and South Korea. So two-thirds of all foreign tourism here is actually regional tourism uh, between China, South Korea, and Taiwan. And I think you guys must have, you know, you guys must have experienced the rise in the amount of tour buses. And when you go to the tourist sites, the sheer number of people that are there. Uh, and for us as well, you know, we've seen it firsthand, not only through, you know, when I was an English teacher here, you know, 10 plus years ago, but even in the last four or five years as we're operating as a tour company, we just see the numbers of people. And uh, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, there's good parts of it and there, there's, there's, you know, bad parts of it. So, you know, mm -hmm. the good parts are obviously, you know, what's, how it's helped the economy and how it's helped the livelihoods of so many people here. Um, even though it's still quite centered around the mainstream places, like, you know, if you go to the Tomita Farm or BA, or if you go to, uh, you know, Lake Toya and Nobori Betsu, right? The places where the mass tourism goes. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely, you know, created a lot of new jobs in tourism too. We've seen a, uh, such an explosion in uh, tour guides, in guiding here, both, you know, independent guiding and, and companies that are looking for guides. Uh, it's become a viable industry here, not just a fringe industry. And, and probably the second industry here after agriculture. So, you know, yeah. tourism has really um, blown, you know, grown and developed. Uh, but there are obviously, you know, negatives to that as well. And, you know, a lot of locals, some of the, you know, some of them feel like tourism has missed them. You know, if you're from a small village that isn't on the main bus routes, you know, uh, you might not have seen a large increase in number of tourists. And, you know, you even might have seen a decrease because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there was a, a big boom in the domestic tourism in Japan. And most of the tourism in the 80s uh, and, and 90s was aimed at domestic tourism. And, you know, domestic tourism had, you know, uh, more time or more comfort to reach the villages. You know, that's very much part of Japanese tourism domestically. You know, all the Michi no Ekis and all the, you know, uh, special products that are made in this town and that town. Uh, but the international tourism, like, like I said, two thirds of it is uh, China, Korea and Taiwan and largely big bus tours. So not all of the, um, you know, places in Hokkaido have benefited equally. And we've seen uh, really um, a decrease in, in the number of towns, rural towns in Hokkaido, and the viability of them, and the decrease of the rural population in Hokkaido. And, you know, you would have thought if there was a fourfold plus increase in tourism, international tourism, we wouldn't have had those changes. But demographic changes in Hokkaido are very real. Uh, you had JR, you know, the Japan Rails cut down 30% of all their lines last year, and most of that is to rural countrysides. Towns are going bankrupt and, and uh, you know, having to pool their resources just to offer education or a clinic. Uh, so in the countryside, we haven't seen that. 
And, you know, that that's unfortunate that we haven't seen the same benefits of tourism that we see in Sapporo or Lake Toya or Niseko, uh, some mm -hmm. of the bigger names in places. So, you know, that's that's the unevenness of of mass tourism. Right. Uh, for me, I don't actually typically get to go to these places uh, until the last two years when I was working for the airport, have fun in Hokkaido program. I finally got to go to like the Blue Lake and a lot of these uh, like Eastern Hokkaido. But living here 19 years now, I hadn't like for the first 17 years I was here. But where I do see these trends is in the narration work. And so like when I go into record English, oh, right before me, after me is maybe Chinese or Korean recording. Um, also very important to have those languages on the public announcements. And when they change the bus routes or the JR routes, um, that kind of increase in work and i've also been like on a commercial for hokkaido suites for like promoting to taiwan so seeing that they're working to promote things that way um, it's kind of a unique perspective um, on a side note yesterday i had a narration job for the first time in a, at least a month thanks to coronavirus because most of my narration stuff is kind of tourism related lately and uh that was for uh toyota the factory in Tomakomai. So they have something called Haskap Vision, which is new. And it's, you know, like a panoramic picture, like the super, super long stretched ones. It's video at like 4K and two of them. So I don't know how it's actually set up in there, if it's like a 360 kind of view or 180 or something. But um, yeah, I just did a couple of title announcements for that video. So if you want to like check it out if, for Tomakomai, it's not a huge <laughs> tourism place to my understanding, but things I'm directly related with are the Toyota factory. So you can see their new Hoscott vision. It's gorgeous. Um, and also the English guided video tour. I did the narration for that a couple of years ago and it's quite a few minutes long. Very nice. Also the Wing Hotel International. Um, I teach the staff English there. So if you're looking for a place to stay in Tomakomai, uh, I would recommend that hotel. Okay, so back to our lovely, <laughs> very fascinating interview. I mean, Ido, you've got such a wealth of experience and uh, perspective that very few people probably have working in this uh, industry like you do. So uh, on to the not so fun part, perhaps, is uh, how has coronavirus been affecting your, your business personally and just Hokkaido in general? Yeah, well, you know, it's um, it's a kind of shock that none of us expected to this extent. You know, mm -hmm. uh, living in Japan, you're always ready for shocks. You know, we live in the ring of fire. Uh, you know, natural calamities are part of the history of Japan and some of the recent history. Mm -hmm. You know, if we look at uh, Fukushima, what happened there, uh, that was a natural as well as man-made, uh, we could say, calamity. And that had a big effect on tourism in Japan. That had a big effect. Mm -hmm. we, you know, there was a significant dip in tourism and it lasted about two years. Uh, mm -hmm. But the difference was that it wasn't uh, in, you know, such a holistic manner as what's happening now. You know, it was a decrease mm -hmm. in tourism. And, you know, uh, people who did come, you know, they, did, they still trusted that Hokkaido was safe or, you know, Kyushu or Okinawa, you know, um, there was still tourism happening here. So there was a decrease. It wasn't it wasn't the uh, wiping out that we're seeing now. Um, basically, you know, there's a lot of companies that specialize in international tourism um, that, you know, the domestic market is kind of a different market. You know, as people who know Japanese culture, they have different requirements for travel than a lot of international people. And the market is quite, quite separated. You know, not too many companies uh, aim at both the domestic and international market. There is a kind of specialization. So if we look at coronavirus, you know, if we look at international arrivals, you know, they're down 99 point, you know, something percent. You know, it's not just a decrease. It's wiped out. It's wiped mm -hmm. out. And um, a lot of the industry is reeling right now, whether you're in hotels, because a lot of hotels have also aimed towards international guests. Uh, generally, they spend more than Japanese guests and they are coming in larger numbers. Um, so they've a lot of hotels have, you know, in the last 
five, ten years have pivoted towards international market. There's a lot of hotels that just close their doors, not permanently, but on a kind of furlough. And you know, mm-hmm. we go and we drive around and we see are they open yet? Are they open yet? And you know, they're not opening up. Um, a lot of hotels are using this time to renovate, perhaps as well. You know, they're trying to make the best of it. Uh, a lot of new hotels that were just finished this year or the last couple of years, because a lot of investment also, especially in the luxury market, which suffered in Japan, you know, because of the recession from the 90s or the stagnation, we can say. Uh, a lot of luxury, there wasn't a lot of luxury investment in Hokkaido after the recession. But in the last 10 years, with the growth, the growth of international tourism, there's been a lot more investment in luxury. That's when we see places like Niseko or mm-hmm. the Fukuoka brand, for example, uh, Furukawa brand, uh, Royal Khans. They are uh, developing and keep on investing. So these companies that keep on investing, uh, they're really, you know, uh, you know, out of pocket right now. Uh, for smaller mm-hmm. companies like ourselves, you know, it really it hurts our guides. You know, it hurts uh, our guides who rely on tours uh, to as part of their income. Um, <laughs> and you know, we have had to uh, make decisions in the office as well uh, that we wouldn't have liked to make otherwise. But smaller companies, uh, you know, as long as there's not too much problems with debt and things like that, maybe we can ride it out. The bigger companies who have a higher overhead, you know, it's going to be a story of, of who can ride this out and who can uh, survive this fa- this time of famine, you know, we can say. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go from the numbers of, of visitors that we had to 99% reduction, it's, it's mm-hmm. really difficult for companies who are stretched in or, or are in debt or running out of out of loans and out of debt. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I know I was actually really looking forward to uh, just as a, a thing to try. I wanted to be a guide uh, with your company because our mutual friend Amanda Harlow has been working for you for about the last year, I think. Yeah, that's And about. it looked like so much fun um, yes. that I was like, I could do that. I want to do, <laughs> I think you know, do. Just, I think you've been here how many years? 19 years, you said? 19, oh. yeah. So. And you have a great attitude, you know, and you're already the voice of Sapporo subway system, right? So. <laughs> that is a common, common misnomer. I'm not actually on the subway cars, but the person who did it sounds exactly like me. Oh, that was I, am, I am on the undergrounds oh, no. um, as of a couple years ago, ago like uh, the, the big chikaho or that, like, I think the whole underground, you can hear me doing safety announcements now, but... No, mainly JR and Hokuto Kotsu and the streetcar and everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, well, yeah, um, I, it would be case. fun to try yes. and do tour guides. Get you trained and uh, see if you like the job. I know I would love it. Um, and I'm just the kind of person that I never want to do just one thing. I always want to have like narration and music and adding a tour guide thing because I the travel that I get to do when I'm on location filming for these programs is it was in my top three kind of jobs that I love. I was like, okay, being a tour guide would probably be right up there in things I enjoy. And if I can make money doing it, then that would be fantastic. So maybe it's going to be postponed a little bit more than I expected. But, you know, once the business is up and running and I know it will be, you know, give me a call. I'm waiting. (laughs) (laughs) We'd be lucky to have you. Thank you. I, I would be lucky to work with you guys. I I have worked um, on location. We always have interpreters as part of our, our camera crew. Um, I don't actually need them because the director always talks to me directly in Japanese, regardless <laughs> of the situation. And But when we're interviewing people who don't speak English for our basically English program, the interpreter will step in and help out with that. So still necessary. And a lot of them are actually more full-time guides than interpreters, um, usually Japanese women who join us for our team. And I've heard a lot of difficult working situations, depending on the company and uh, the expectations or low amount of support. So I, I know that as far as companies go, Hokkaido Nature Tours is doing something right because you guys just had a spread in National Geographic, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we were so uh, fortunate. Uh, I can't say it was, a, it was a whole spread, but we actually were part of a team that was from across Japan who guided um, 
a number of National Geographic writers for a 12-page uh, feature that they had in their recent uh, May-June publication. And, um, you know, I guess they, they so liked what we did and uh, the impression that we made, we actually were the lead in this 12-page feature. And uh, it was really gratifying, you know, we actually, all of our tours, we, you know, you could say that we treat them like National Geographic anyways, you know, it wasn't that we did anything extra for mm -hmm. National Geographic. Um, and the tour is just the writer and myself. Um, so it wasn't that we pulled out all the stuff, you know, we, we gave our normal, you know, super high quality tour, but mm -hmm. I guess they were impressed enough that it was the lead. And um, yeah, it was just an honor, you know, it was just an honor to, to reach a point where, okay, we have uh, getting recognized for the hard work and the quality of what we do. And I always say, you know, half of our job is done by Hokkaido itself because it really is so amazing. You know, I was able to tell, take um, the National Geographic writer. His name is Chris Tharp. Uh, he's actually a long-term expat from Korea. So he wasn't, um, uh, you know, so new to Asian culture and he felt quite comfortable being here. But I took him and he had never been in such an environment. We went in February to Asahidake and I took him snowshoeing in Asahidake. We went to Teninkyo Gorge, just nearby, went snowshoeing there and uh, to some very remote areas. And he was just blown away because even though he's lived in, you know, this part of the world for a long time, he never had that kind of experience. So that's the really magic of Hokkaido and magic of what we do to bring people out into the nature. And, you know, of course we do everything, you know, we're happy, we're a custom made tour company. So you know, we create tours around the guest preferences. Uh, but for National Geographic, of course, they wanted the, the nature and uh, they didn't have much time. So we had to really, you know, be choosy with what we included, but they decided to go for the snowshoeing adventure. And uh, that's that's what I love as well. So it was such a pleasure. And then, of course, to see ourselves in National Geographic, you know, it's, it's like goosebumps, you know, it's not something that we can ever uh, expect. So it was really an honor. But that's really cool. You can check out that article from our homepage. There's a link to it. Okay. So what What is your homepage for our listeners? Yeah, HokkaidoNatureTours.com. Okay, that's so, easy. Yeah, so simple. Yes. Just remember two Ks in Hokkaido. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned a snowshoeing tour. What other kinds of types of tours do you offer? Because I'm I'm thinking like there's like really backpacking at nature. There's also like glamping and stuff yeah. we're like staying in hotels and so tell us like what could we expect if we were trying to pick a tour well, slow yeah, down. opportunity so let me let me give a bit more information on how uh on how our tours run we have have a number of tours like day trips and two-day tours that are just ready to go and of course we have sample tours for the longer tours five days seven days uh you know we can offer tours for you know from anybody from a solo traveler to groups of 30 or 40. so our whole thing is you know we want our guests to travel the way they like you know we don't we're not trying to impose our vision of travel on our guests you know uh so if it's a family let's say with young kids no problem we have baby seats for free you know put those in the car and let's go have a great trip you know if you need to stop in the middle of the day for nap time we can plan that in the day or a group of retirees from Malaysia who uh, want to try, want to visit farms and try, you know, harvesting vegetables and then making a soba DIY, you know, no problem, food DIY workshops. And uh, honestly, most of our tours are a mix of activities because most people that come, they don't want just one thing, but they mm -hmm. might say, oh, okay, we're interested in wildlife, in photography, in uh, hiking. Uh, we also want some luxury. You know, we want to stay a couple nights and really nights in really nice places. Yokans with kaiseki dinners, maybe in-room onsen. Uh, so, you know, we are just able to take our expertise of Hokkaido and create these uh, unique itineraries. And we do it on, on a daily basis. You know, we do it for so many people that contact us. And our itineraries are, you know, we're happy to, to uh, make itineraries for people based on their preferences at no charge. So that's the work oh, wow. we do because, yeah, because we really feel like, uh, you know, once people see the quality of the tour we can create for them, then, you know, a lot of them say, OK, this is the, the organization, this is the tour company that we want to go with. And then they come and, you know, we might pick them up from the airport or start their tour from Sapporo. You know, everything is flexible or maybe from Kushiro Airport, really whatever works with their greater travel plans. And you hit the road, you know, and uh, with one of our guides, all of our guides are... Um, 
they're all super travelers. You know, we hire guides who love to travel. You know, we don't hire guides who are putting on white gloves and a top hat and they're just like, you know, very stiff. You know, we hire guides that are real people that love to travel, that have a lot of international experience. Because ultimately, you know, I think uh, it's very important to understand uh, foreigners' mentality, you know, an international mentality if you're going to be guiding international people. In my experience, somebody who's only, you know, lived in Japan, it's hard to get that experience. So it's really important for us when we hire people that they have a lot of international experience, that they understand that sometimes, you know, the guests might want to change plans in the middle of the day. Oh, we don't want to go there. We want to go, okay, great, you know. We teach, we train them how to be flexible, how to make the adjustments. Or they say, oh, you know, we have a specific thing with our diet, you know, and, you know, we didn't tell the planners in advance, is this something you can help us with? Yeah, of course, you know, we have such a range of restaurants that the guides, you know, database, the guides know how to work with and things like that. So we're super flexible. We do all kinds of groups, you know, sometimes honeymoon couple, they, they want to go propose somewhere special, you know, and we can be part of that. Or, um, you know, we had one tour that was a multi-generational family. It was a group of maybe 15 and multi-generation, I think it was three or four generations even. And they're from Vietnam originally, that uh, relocated to Australia. And Anastasia was guiding this tour actually. And you know, they all started to feel really comfortable with Anastasia and during the bus rides, it just happened spontaneously. They just started talking about their family experiences, uh, what it was like leaving Vietnam. They were part of the boat people leaving Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And you know, for that to, to experience, you know, a lot of the family members hadn't heard those stories, you know. So for us to to be able to connect and create these great this great atmosphere for people to travel and be super comfortable, because our tours are private tours. You know, you're going with your loved ones. You know, you, you can really be yourself. And um, I think it's really special and unique. And and that's what people cherish. You know, to travel to these places with their loved ones, with their family. And it's really an adventure, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, you know. Um, so that's for us too as the guides. Of course, we do these tours, you know, over and over, all over Hokkaido, you know, so many different places. But when you do it for years and years, obviously, you know, there's a familiarity. So what makes it, you know, interesting for us are the people we meet. And we're super lucky, you know, we really feel blessed by our guests, you know, the, the kind of quality of people that we meet. And uh, it all, even though it all starts from the tour planning and making sure there's a good tour, you know, all the magic really happens during the tour itself. And, you know, we never lose sight of that, of, you know, the show, it's about Hokkaido, it's about people's experiences. And uh, yeah, when you go see our reviews on TripAdvisor, I think we have 150 reviews now and uh, all but four or five of them are five-star reviews. You know, it's because of that, you know, people see that we put our heart into uh, our our work and we make it special for people. So it's, oh, it's yeah. really fine. Yeah, it's a it's a job with a soul, you know. <laughs> yeah. Those are kind of hard to find these days. So that's fantastic. You can easily tell that you really get a lot of joy out of this work. And man, I want to I want to book a tour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, like, your business has been focused on people coming from overseas, but, like, what about us here in Hokkaido? Um, it's just now kind of opened up to the point where we can maybe travel a bit within Japan. Um, or, I mean, I know some, some for a while, it was like, please don't even cross over into the next city, even though I live five minutes from the next city. <laughs> um, so, do you have anything going on for, like, yes, us here? Yes, I uh, appreciate that, the, the probe. Um, so yeah, like we talked about, our company was one of the companies that uh, focused on international tourism, you know, because there was such a demand and we feel like we can really contribute to tourism in Hokkaido, to private tourism, by guiding foreigners that are coming. Um, and you know, we have not only the international experience and hire the right people, the right team, uh, but we also, uh, you know, are able to meet the expectations of the international market because we understand. But yeah, now we have this problem, you know, it's a 99% reduction in international visitors. You can't make this stuff up, you know, uh, it's just cataclysmic for the industry. So, uh, yeah, we, we are also trying to pivot and trying to open it up more for domestic. You know, we always had some domestic tourism. Uh, we had expat families living in Tokyo or we even had some Japanese groups that there would be an English speaker and they found us, you know, through Google in English, uh, things like that, because we don't advertise in Japanese. 
Uh, we really aimed at the English-speaking market. Uh, but now we're understanding, you know, we need to develop maybe domestic market and we need to work with the domestic market. And it's a great time for people who uh, otherwise would have taken their trip to go visit their family, you know, in another country to take a trip in Japan. Because, you know, as you guys know, we, there's a lot of people living like long term expats or people living here that didn't really haven't really seen Japan. And, you know, there's a lot of amazing places to visit in Japan, too. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, people will want to come to Hokkaido. I know the government's doing a lot as well with promotions. Uh, they've come out recently to support, you know, different restaurants and accommodations and in, in drawing domestic tourism. But we feel the same way. So we're hoping that, uh, you know, we're offering a discount now for the whole summer, actually, until middle of September. And who knows, maybe we'll extend that, you know. But, yeah, so uh, Huh? You said discounts? <laughs> yes, discounts. So uh, we're offering 10 to 20% on all of our tours and uh, depending on the size of your group mainly. So um, with this discount, you know, it's a great time to experience it a little bit cheaper than otherwise. And, uh, you know, what we offer is not just seeing Hokkaido, it's seeing Hokkaido in a private tour. And mm -hmm. it's a really different experience for somebody, who, people who have never taken private tours. You know, it's really like stress-free, worry-free. You come, you know, you get picked up, you know, to start your tour and you can just enjoy every minute, you know. You're not worrying about is this place going to be closed or how do I get there or driving and you're not super exhausted by the whole process of traveling because you have somebody who's there with you to assist you and guide you and bring the most out of your day, you know, whether it's safely hiking through the mountains and knowing the microclimates and how to stay safe here in Hokkaido, of which there are accidents every year, unfortunately, or, you know, the great network of activities that we know about, you know, DIYs, maybe somebody has always wanted to put on a kimono, you know, or always wanted to stay at a farm, you know, for overnight, you know, we have all those, um, or the accommodations, the great accommodation network that we know about. Uh, just our expertise and of course our guides who are so happy to talk about Hokkaido's history and culture and what it's like to be a dosanko, you know, born in, and raised in Hokkaido and any topics. So, you know, the, the benefits of private tourism, there's so many of them. Uh, so we feel like this is a great opportunity for, for people living in Japan to come experience that in the amazing beauty that is truly Hokkaido. Uh, so it's a great time for that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, like taking a look at the, you mentioned TripAdvisor, you guys have a lot of awards, don't you? Uh, uh, not a lot, but... <laughs> not to yeah, brag. Yeah. <laughs> not to not brag, a lot, but, not a lot, but you can. We, 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 like, uh, just very proud of our team, you know, very proud of, of what we've been able to build here. Well, and I, can, I can see here online, you've got Luxury Travel Guide for 2020. Yes. Um, also, Travel and Hospitality Awards, uh, THA, for 2019 and 2018, consecutively. Yes. And the TripAdvisor Annual Certificate of Excellence. So that's pretty high praise. Yeah, um, we, uh, we're doing pretty well, you know. We're we blessed. Feel, we feel blessed. And uh, whether we have a slowdown this year or not, it's not going to change it. You know, we, we put our heart into our work. And we make sure every tour is, you know, is going properly. Every tour is important to us. So mm -hmm. I think that, that's what comes out of that. But yeah, we're blessed to have been chosen. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, we get nominated for awards. Sometimes they have like researchers that look for us. And, uh, you know, there's an application process and they review us. And to win the award is, uh, you know, it's not only great for our marketing, but it makes us feel like, okay, like in the travel industry, we're doing something right, you know? Yeah. We're not just in a little bubble, we're doing something right. And recently we had another uh, little feather in our cap, which is um, next year, still on the schedule, it's supposed to be this year, but it's next year, uh, Hokkaido is hosting a very important summit. It's called the uh, ATWS, which is Adventure Travel World Summit. And the ATWS, it's an annual conference of people in the adventure travel industry. Uh, from around the world, usually they are in the Western Hemisphere because it's mainly Europe and America based and Latin America as well. Uh, but they chose Hokkaido for 2020. And unfortunately, wow. that was delayed for 2021, but it's a big deal. The government is promoting it. And so we have been chosen by the government of Hokkaido to uh, offer one of our tours to the participants. That means travel agents and influencers, journalists, government representatives. 
And that's just another honor, you know, for us, because that's the government saying, you know, we trust you and we want you to represent us on this global stage that's coming to Al-Qaeda. Congratulations. Thank you. And, you know, we just feel blessed to be doing something we love. And, you know, I think ultimately, if people do what they love, they're going to find success, ultimately. Mm. Like you yourself, Elena, you know, (laughs) with singing and, you know, that brought you so many other opportunities, right, through the years. I don't know how you got it. The, the audio work or the you know the recording the narration you do but I imagine uh, mostly thing. word of mouth um, I, I think because I do put my heart as well into doing an excellent job every time that I can on narration and uh, a lot of the work a couple of them have been auditions but I found out about the auditions from people who said you need to go do this like JR um, I found out maybe a couple days before the audition I didn't even know what it was for just like a friend of mine in the industry said, oh, Delaney, you need to go do this audition. It's like, okay. And I was chosen for that, and that was great. Um, and the rest, yeah. Like the Toyota thing, just, they, they called me up about three days before, and just like, can you come in? They didn't even tell me who it was for, what it was for. The night before 10 p.m., I'm like, by the way, do you have a script? Like, what? and what am I doing in the studio tomorrow? Right. But it's like trusting me and me trusting the studio. Like, we're going to work it out. It's going to be fine. Um so, yeah, it really makes a difference. Well, I look forward to seeing you soon in a Toyota ad, you know, a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, actually, the JR people had, uh, when they heard about this uh, Anything Goes Hokkaido program, they're like, oh, maybe we should, you know, uh, have you <laughs> do something like commercial. I was like, I'm your girl anytime. Yes. Uh, on a side note, and I was kind of brainstorming as you were talking thinking how lovely it would be to hire you to help out with my next big project I don't think I, I have the budget for it just yet but I recorded a new song with a uh, former guest David Sweetlow who's a musician and producer and uh, it's an amazing experience working with him in just around a week we knocked out the entire song uh, very professional recording and I want to release it with a video that features some of Hokkaido's beauty and nature so I've chosen Lake Shikotsu as my main location for filming and I'm currently working out all the details about uh, camera crews and equipment and there's a lot (laughs) a lot going on to that but I thought oh having somebody to drive around or arrange meals that would be like the ideal video yeah, shoot we're happy to help we actually have a lot of free time right now even though we have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on the go we have a lot of free time so we're happy to help as as uh, as friends not a problem oh well that would be amazing i have not decided yet whether i should go with plan a which is the full-fledged like throw a lot of money at it and um have it all done very professionally with a full camera crew or a bare bones like I do everything myself which is possible obviously I've been editing this program on my iPhone six you know <laughs> like way way a whole thing and um, still managing to get a decent product I think yeah, for, for what it is but uh, you know so there I, I ordered a gimbal online uh, yesterday which will give me nice steady video in the future and I could program it to even like record like set it point A point B or to follow me around so it's like feasibly I could actually record a lot of video of myself on location and have it look quite professional and edit it myself or the B plan which is somewhere in between those two Um, I'm leaning towards A because there are quite a number of I work with a lot of camera crews for things and know a lot of people uh, that could help out with that but I think maybe I'm going to look into crowdfunding this project. Um, you know, artists all around the world currently because of the Corona pandemic are starving more than usual, <laughs> you know, without being able to perform live and the venues yeah. and such. Um, thankfully I'm very diversified. So um, I haven't had concerts, but it's not a huge part of my income. Typically uh, just one small factor of many, uh, but I think it would be really great to kind of that let's support artists in this time um, in unique ways, maybe crowdfunding part of that project. So it could be the best quality might be a good way to garner interest and also promote our beautiful island. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my news. Um, wow. So I feel like we got a really great 
taste of what Hokkaido Nature Tours is about. Uh, I think you've persuaded everyone. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so everybody who's listening or watching, you can go to HokkaidoNatureTours.com. Everything is in English, I assume, from what you said before. And uh, check out the tours that are happening or customize it yourself. I know the staff there um, is going to do very well for you. And of course, if what you... do you recommend for this summer? Yeah. This summer, uh, well, it's a great time to come. There's not going to be crowds, so that's awesome. A lot of the places that, like uh, maybe Tomita Farm, Shikisainoka, these famous flower fields in Furano BA that are usually super crowded, they're going to be actually, it's going to feel like midweek every day. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but yeah, for the summer, uh, it could be, you know, really what the interest of the people are. Some people want to see the main sites. So, of course, Furano BA is so beautiful or, you know, Eastern Hokkaido, always very beautiful, you know, all the way out to Shiratoko, the UNESCO World Heritage, Shiratoko Peninsula with all the bears, uh, as well as the Lake District, like Lake Mashu and um, Lake Akan, Lake Kusharo. So lakes, flower fields, and then, you know, the usual activities. A lot of the activity operators had, did take a break during the last few months, but now they're coming back to work. So whether that means cultural DIYs, food DIYs, agro-tourism, and of course, hiking and trekking. So my personal favorite, um, going up high into the mountains, can be day hikes or overnight hikes, staying at mountain huts, camping, you know, just getting out into the nature waterfall trails we have mm-hmm. all levels so the summertime is really uh the great variety and some of it's a, a bit seasonal right so even within the summer so you have the lavender peaking in july at uh at, like to meet the farm is famous or east uh, lavender farm uh also mm-hmm. in you know and then when you get into august and you have the sunflower festival you know where hokuryu is the famous sunflower festival and you haven't been it's amazing no. It's uh, millions of sunflowers, and you're going to feel like you're in a computer-generated image, you know, because it's just sunflowers everywhere, you know. It's really cool. Uh, So, yeah, just getting out into the nature and whatever people are enjoying. It can be maybe kayaking, sea kayaking, lake kayaking, canoeing. You know, there's just so much uh, variety. And easily, you know, it's easy to go on our website um, and go. You'll see that there's a number of different contact forms according to what you're interested in. So it can be day trips or do two-day tours, which some of those itineraries or plans are already online. You can check them out. Or for the custom-made tours, that's where you can choose your preferences. And right on our website, you'll see that on the form, you can choose all different categories. So it can be wildlife or nature sightseeing or gourmet or camping or hiking, whatever. There's so many categories there. You can choose them. And then the process is we reply and, you know, we will talk about, you know, trying to fine-tune the interest a little bit and uh, take it from there and create itineraries. But summer is just a great time to get out, get out and about. And uh, there's so much on offer. Uh, fruit picking is also awesome. Uh, I know a lot of people in Hokkaido don't go fruit picking and it's a shame because it, it's so great, you know. Such a great way to not only eat a ton of fruit but be out in nature <laughs> and get that uh, great vitamin D, you know, that's so important for our health. Oh, yeah. I have some amazing memories in my early days here where I went with some friends to Yoichi. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's like this great orchard where you pay at the time. It was like 800 yen. So about eight US dollars to all you can eat fruit. Um, They just ask like you not waste it. So you have a basket. And if you have fruit left over, then you would pay for whatever you take out of the park um, according to weight and whatever the prices are. Um, funny story, my group of friends noticed they had a bunch of blackberry um, briars out in the parking lot and they were just like falling off and going to waste. And so we were picking them and then somebody came and was like, oh, you have to pay for those. We're like, oh, oh, sorry. You know, <laughs> so we like carried these huge bags in and and, and paid for them. I, I Maybe one or two bags did not actually get <laughs> um, paid for yeah yeah they come for you now they're gonna come for you oh uh, well i think there's a statute of limitations so 
but yeah it was like beautiful just take a picnic blanket and you can bring in like your own food like onigiri rice balls or bindles and have something besides just fruit to eat and you know just nap out in the sun and of course it's very seasonal but from cherries to apples plums uh, not a lot of peaches up here in Hokkaido I don't think but um, and then grapes later in the season it's fantastic Berries actually will be starting blueberry season. That's about mid-July, so you can go and just you know pick a few kilograms of blueberries and make your your pies or freeze them. And, and haskap, maybe haskap. it's a similar season. And what is haskap? Because a lot of people don't know what haskap is. It's it's kind of uh, localized, isn't it? Yeah, it is quite um, unique to Hokkaido and just a few other places in the world, I believe. I believe it is called the honeysuckle berry. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, and it's not grown on a honeysuckle plant. It's, it's a bush very similar to blueberries, I think. Uh, a bit darker purple and elongated and quite tart if you're going to eat it on its own. But of course, like any berry, um, add a bunch of sugar and it's fabulous. You see, and so like you're I, a guide. You're ready to <laughs> Yeah, and like um, the Toyota new Vision is actually named after that berry, Haskap Vision. I don't know why. <laughs> or it's maybe Haskap has a broader meaning, but yeah, but Hokkaido is kind of branding the Haskap as one of its, you know, signature foods. Along it is very unique to uh, here. All the seafood and dairy. Yeah, better than scallop vision. <laughs> <laughs> Oyster vision, yeah, yeah. Oyster little... vision. <laughs> all right. Um, well, Ido, really, it's been a pleasure to have you on this episode. And uh, we look forward to seeing how you take this new direction of uh, opening up your tours to people already living here in Japan. And uh, definitely, if there's anything we can do to help with uh, future promotions, like let us know when you have something going on, because our listeners, of course, will benefit greatly from knowing about your great offers and deals. So right, right now, 10% to 20% off, depending on the size of your tour. That sounds fantastic. And uh, I'm very tempted to try and plan something for my family here, too. Yeah, for your family. One, one last question. There, yeah, sure. Uh, if, I'm, if we're going to go hiking or doing something that is a bit out of the usual course of just going on vacation, uh, do you provide the gear for that or will people have to be prepared? with? Yeah, like, we, have, we have a lot of gear that we provide for free. And some awesome. of it is just you know very small rental charge just for washing and maintaining the gear. But uh, things like hiking sticks or if we go for overnight to stay in a hut, uh, we can provide the sleeping bags, the sleeping mats uh, to go camping. We have tents and, yeah, we have a lot of that gear. Uh, clothing, obviously, and footwear people need to provide on their own. Uh, mm -hmm. And, of course, the safety, the guides will have safety equipment like a first aid kit and water filtration and things like that that we need to have here. Bear whistle, bear spray, things like that. So we'll take bear care spray. of all of that. Yeah, we hike with bear spray. Um, that's a safety precaution we use. I've never so heard of bear depends, spray. <laughs> depends where, you know, if we're, oh, yeah. uh, for example, on Mount Kachidake, where there's not even one tree because it's all this blown out volcano, mm -hmm. you don't need bear spray. But if we're hiking through some tight gorge or a very forested area, it's smart to have it. Uh, so, yeah, you don't need uh, all the equipment. And any equipment you don't have, we can provide uh, either free or with very cheap rental. So, yeah, we are used to it. And um, likewise, in the winter, for winter tours, we provide all the snowshoe equipment. And that's all that's all free because that's part of the activity, actually, is the snowshoeing and the gators and the poles. It's basic equipment. So, um, yeah, we are happy to help provide equipment. And um, and basically our expertise and our, our experience. And for hiking, you know, uh, on a clear weather day, it's really easy, right? Hiking, and you can feel like, oh, you know, hiking is not a dangerous activity. But uh, Hokkaido's weather is incredibly unstable, and especially you know for going to the higher peaks and Daisetsuzan uh, or other areas. Or, you know, for certain places that have higher, you know, more issues with bears. Uh, you know, it's really important to uh, have the local experience. And like I said, there's been, unfortunately, a number of accidents in Hokkaido over the years. Some of them uh, very high profile. 
Um, you know, we have we've had an accident here in the middle of the summer. Uh, that was in 2008 summer, where uh, 11 people died of hypothermia at the top of Dasetsuzan. Mm-hmm. That's it. It was in the middle of the summer, in early August, you know, from a, a storm that blew in and they weren't prepared. So, right. yeah, it's, it's really important to have that local knowledge when the weather turns bad, when the conditions are not ideal. And we know from Hokkaido, you know, being an island in the north, you know, the weather is variable. So, you know, I do recommend safety first. There's a lot of great resources online for people who do want to self-hike. But if you're not feeling super confident, if you're feeling like you're going to have worry and stress, you know, you can spend your money in a lot of ways and uh, a lot of worse ways than hiring a guy to make the most out of your day and, and keep you safe and, and make sure you're enjoying yourself. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, we look thank forward you. to seeing how things turn around and we know you are going to turn it around. Uh, so we're going to finish up this episode. Uh, everybody, please, if you would like to ask a question uh, regarding Hokkaido, Japan at large, you can always reach us at anythinggoeshokkaido at gmail.com. Also, we are very active on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, not really Twitter, just because it's connected to the Instagram account, but I think you can follow us there as well. Uh, just ha- handle mark anythinggoeshokkaido. Uh, you can find me at Delena Miyazaki for Instagram and Twitter, and Delena Live for my music and other. Uh, public personality related things on Facebook and Shinya is uh, Shinstagrams with an underscore in between on Instagram Ido, uh, anything else we should know where we can follow you on social media are you active there as far as we have all the social media as well Facebook and Instagram you can follow some of our guides also so uh, Hokkaido Nature Tours that's our main accounts and uh, beyond that Uh, Also, YouTube, we're uploading cool videos all the time, some promo videos, some drone videos, some local videos. You can check us out on YouTube as well. Um, Yeah, and if you have any questions, uh, even if you're just coming to visit Hokkaido and you have some questions, you can always send us an email. We are happy to share our knowledge with with everyone. So, um, yeah, we hope to hear from people. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. We will see you again next week. And who knows what lies in store yet. Anything goes. Stuck it. Once again, a huge thank you to everyone who's made this episode possible, especially our guest Ido Gabai from Hokkaido Nature Tours. Be sure to go to HokkaidoNatureTours.com and check out the special deals they have going on for residents of Japan and see how you can support local businesses here in our beautiful island of Hokkaido. We look forward to seeing you soon. Take care, everybody, and don't forget to hit that like, share, and subscribe button, and we'll see you soon.